Welcome to On The Couch with James Field and Ian Harris. Episode 127 for the 4th of February 2010. Well, hey there, James. Welcome to couch number 127. Indeed, it's fantastic to be here on the couch in the studio again. <laughs> in the actual couch, on the actual couch. Indeedy. Um, bags of news today, and good to see we're back in the swing of things after our festive hiatus. Indeed. Um, bags of news, we'll talk about the normal stuff. Um, business. Technology, content delivery. Mobile, gaming, and weird. Weird, crazy things. Indeedy. <laughs> and hopefully not interrupted by too many noises like my iPhone just reminding me it's podcast time. <laughs> well, that's good. I'm glad you've been reminded. <laughs> You're ahead of the game. So, um, <laughs> skipping over business. Yep, there's not, not too much in the way of business we've yes. scraped up this week, but uh, but some interesting things happening in the world of technology. And I thought it was, mm. we'd reported a little while ago about DirecTV and their DVR scheduler application for the iPhone. Uh, and they've got some results from that. I mean, you often mm-hmm. kind of think... Are these things going to be popular? Are people actually going to use them? Uh, people normally just uh, recording on their TV or are they actually doing something uh, more creative, hmm. planning their time while they're coming home on the train? And it turns out that they are. Yeah. I mean, uh, I've certainly, I've got one for my Sky Plus in the UK and they've just updated the app mm-hmm. onto like version two. And I do use it actually because I mean, that's mainly because my cinema with the sky plus <laughs> is at the end of the garden so and I, it's it's a bit of an ordeal to turn it on so i can just oh, if i want to watch something i can just book in fantastic um but i don't normally use it to find stuff i use the locate tv job to do right. that, so. but can you actually book your sky from locate TV? no you can't mm-hmm. no, no i mean a lot of these there's there's a, there's they, they don't really good. let anyone use the apis that's the thing so but which i guess is all about brand control yeah fair enough um which is fair enough but the main thing is these things are free so i mean obviously you have to have a subscription to the uh, yep the relevant service but i think they are pretty good and i guess are they coming out with um iphone yes and they've now released it i guess importantly on android palm pre and uh, pixie as well so it's i don't know what's a pixie uh, it's a, there's another palm the, the smaller version i think right. yeah so they've had a million downloads on the iphone and ipod touch Mm-hmm. I often forget about the iPod Touch being a platform for doing anything on, but uh, for this sort of thing, it's ideal. Just because you haven't got one in. Well, that's true too. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, ideal because you don't need to speak and it's uh, it's a companion device. And I think mm-hmm. you know, certainly you know, 2010 is the, the year of the companion and, device. And there's many times when I thought, I mean, when I was going to the gym, now I'm into cycling, but yeah. when I was at the gym, you'd have the TV on, you'd see an ad for something, you're jogging or cycling away and you think, oh, I really want to watch that. And if you had your iPod, oh, you could just you know, bang, 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 yeah. uh, be there. But assuming um, there was Wi-Fi in the gym. Now, with, if you had your iPhone with the app on it, yeah, that would then be, cool. be sorted. Me, so, uh, so Similarly, I saw your gadget just now for your tracking yourself when you're cycling. Yeah, there are tracking apps for iPhone as well, so you can do that. True. Yeah, and I have Very got cool. my. I've tried hooking up an external Bluetooth TPS to my iPhone. That work for that. Yeah, I had to do a bit of jiggery poetry, but uh, <laughs> kind of works-ish, but not very well. Um, anyway, very um, cool. Very other cool. stuff that's happening in the world of technology. Um, so we've got uh, Comcast. Mm. Who, uh, now we've talked about this EBIF technology right, in the past, which so you're a bit of an expert on, I must say. Uh, so yeah, I've had a bit of a play so with a quiz, pop quiz. What does EBIF stand for? Uh, the Enhanced Binary Interchange Format. Woohoo! There we go. <laughs> 
Uh, but it's it's more more uh, informally known as ETV as well. Right. Uh, and Comcast is saying they've deployed it in 12 million households and 30 markets, which... Uh, the the reason why this is important is that interactive has really never taken off in the states mm. uh, because every operator has their own own heads had you know everyone's experimented with it but if you're Discovery and you want to put out an app for say Comcast and anyone else yeah uh, all of a sudden you have to do two apps and then maybe three apps and then there's so many operators in the states that just but also the MSOs don't have a model where they can say oh you have to pay to put this on my you know I don't yeah. want you siphoning off my I get all the ad revenue from this why should you make any so i think there's a there's a bit of a glass ceiling to break through there i have also seen i think there's the same article some someone saying well actually you know this this interactive stuff on tv doesn't actually doesn't work you look at in the uk as an example they were citing i think it was channel four in the uk that after years of doing red button services stopped doing it because it was just a waste of time the response rates were so low if you're a commercial tv station compared to Advertising, you know, yeah. literally, it's kind of point yeah. one of a percent of your advertising might come yeah. through that mechanism, yeah. and, and also, I think it's got this potential to because it is direct response. In some mm-hmm. cases, it's got the potential to debunk all the other advertising stuff. So it's yep, it's a double-edged sword, isn't it? Is so it'll be interesting to see how that goes when they actually start doing uh, using it for real. I mean, at the at the moment, mm. now they're doing apps like uh, Remind Record. Um, uh, they're doing caller ID. They're testing request for information, which is essentially, you know, kind of interactive me, advertising. Uh, you know, in uh, in three markets. Tell me how I need to fix my my uh, Toyota or something. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> my Toyota keeps going too fast. What do I do? Press the red button. Mm. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I think with all these things, uh, I mean, Sky has had success with interactive advertising, but mostly because it's had scale. Um, and when you have many channels and many apps and i think it's all kind of anecdotal actually i mean you, you never very and the, the only you only hear about the success stories and people say oh well, that's true you know the best response ever but you know does one campaign lead to one sale of one car i mean there's there's very little causal relationship mm. typically in direct response stuff, yeah but so. maybe maybe the time has come i mean you've got mm. definitely got scale in the u.s you've got uh uh, this idea that people are more comfortable with interacting with technology mm. to find information. And I think it's all about integrated campaigns as well. The whole mm, thing absolutely. is you've got to make sure you get people everywhere and this is just another outlet and you know, people will try it and experiment with it. So that's going to be important for some some people. So Very interesting. Well, we'll see. We'll mm. see. So uh, on to content delivery and... Uh, <clears throat> blogs. Blogs. Do you do much blogging? Um, yeah. Well, I come and kind of come and go. <laughs> so I have some... <laughs> There are electronics hobbies that I kind of vlog about because I guess um, on the twittering side, I mean, if if microblogging counts, well, this is the thing. Uh, they're saying now that teenagers think that blogging, as opposed to microblogging, is lame. Is lame. Hmm. So, but that's because they can't write more than like <laughs> 140 <laughs> characters. But then uh, they also say that Twitter, which you'd think would be the microblogging hmm. system of choice. Um, is not what they're using. In fact, only 8% of any internet users between 12 and 17 use Twitter, while about 33% use it uh, that are aged between 18 and 29. Um, in fact, there's actually quite a lot of older Twitter users, I, I, I believe, which, again, this is interesting that, um, you know, they, that the older users can't be bothered writing a big blog entry or anything like that, but are happy to write some but then, updates. I mean, if... After you put me onto that, you know, Jason Calacanis and his fake iPad blog <laughs> stuff. I mean, he's a prolific blogger. I think one of the more yeah, absolutely trying to be interesting. But it is it is literally microblogging, and mm-hmm. you know, 
and I have had other people that I've followed and sort of pushed out of the way because I really don't know I really don't care what they're having for their dinner yeah or how they're yeah. preparing the dinner or you know <laughs> um, so that's that's unfortunate I suppose um, <laughs> I just think this thing is interesting to find out which demographics are using what and and actually I really like uh, like you were saying before the stories where things are not a success and not working mm. um, because it means you found out some new information about um, what are these teenagers doing are they just texting each other still are they using some other side are they Facebook, Facebooking MySpace they- um, and, and I mean I think Facebook and <clears throat> I use Facebook sporadically again but it's more for like status updates and i know mm-hmm. these days you can link twitter to facebook you know linkedin all these things yeah, so you can post like as we found out everybody as we found out to our cost with our scales which can um yep. suddenly post your weight everywhere and have you managed to turn that off yet no i haven't been able to turn it off it's like, oh i keep i think you need to delete cookies refresh the browser try not using chrome using. it definitely worked for me i had to change it because i okay. had complaints as well um <laughs> So, uh, teenagers aren't blogging. Um, mm. uh, maybe because you can't do it from a mobile phone so easily but they're as well. all, Yeah, that's true. But they're also saying that blogging generally is kind of past the trend mm. of, of being, you know, imminently fashionable and into yeah, the and kind it says of- microblogging status updates have replaced blogging because it's living kind of more in the now. No, blogs are... I mean, yeah, you, more commentary, but more But then thoughts. you can, in a Twitter universe, you can link to a blog... Mm. You put in tiny URLs and things like that. I should say that's probably true. There's a lot of there's a lot of links in Twitter, mm. so it's still about finding stuff that you want, that yeah. you're interested. But if I on find something I think is interesting, yeah, you post a link, tweet it, and yeah. say, look, you know, yeah, but absolutely. I'm sporadic in what I tweet there, and obviously I'm not tweeting the stories we're putting on here, but yeah. we should do. So let's we do should it. do. <laughs> we should do. But then it might preempt it because that's real time. And it takes mm. us a few days to produce this. So let us know if you, you have a concern about this. <laughs> if you'd rather not listen to us and just read five tweets, <laughs> do send us feedback at onthecouchpodcast.com. Indeed. We'd love to hear from you. Um, now, um, we did, at one stage, we did have like an app spot, didn't we? But this was a little story yeah. I thought was quite interesting about um, one American guy um, who was saved by his iPhone. Mm, um, during the earthquake in... In Haiti. In Haiti, yeah. um, and he he was stuck in a he was stuck in a lift shaft for um, oh, quite really? a long time, like five six days. Wow! Boy, it's about four and a half days, I think. And he he'd injured his leg, broken foot, head wound, and he used his iPhone. Uh, and he had this, I guess, WebMD or something like that, which wow. presumably wasn't a connected app, because I, I presume the wireless infrastructure died, or maybe it didn't. I don't <laughs> well, know. people were texting, so. Yeah, uh, but I think in this case it must have been because otherwise you'd use your iPhone and say, "Guys, I'm down the lift shaft. Come pull me out." <laughs> exactly. You wouldn't phone them up, would you? I think that's a good idea, genuinely, to have a, a survival list. The on your don't just have a list of like the top these iPhone apps that you could survive if you had these apps. Ah, that's cool. Which I haven't seen a list like that yet. No, that'd be good. So, well, you'd need some sort of medical app, and you need some sort yeah. of um. um I don't know, SOS, I don't know, there must be something. We can petition the listeners. What app, what app would save your life? Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I think it's definitely, scope. obviously the WebMD or something to diagnose your illnesses, but mm-hmm. obviously the map thing, knowing where you are, but I think we'd have to focus it on apps which didn't need a network connection. That's a good point. Because you, you presume you'd be in the middle of nowhere. Uh, so. I mean, that's fantastic, because when you think about it, one of the, I mean, you're almost always going to have your phone with you all the time and if yeah. you're in a disaster and there you are with whatever apps you. you should have <laughs> that's right 10 apps and yeah. two liters of water 
Exactly. And I mean, whether you can have mirrors or light, I mean, lights are quite good. SOS flashing, mm. you know, Morse code, something, things that you might need to have. Um, Already. Yeah. So I think, you know, anyone's got any ideas, I think uh, send them in. If you've got an app which you think could save your life, but criteria is can't be connected, doesn't need a connection or can cache stuff. Yep. Send it to us. Feedback at onthecouchpodcast.com. And we'll see if we can Famous. compile a list at some point in the future. Brilliant. Okay, so uh, we've also got an update from Symbian. Okay. Symbian, for those of you who don't know, like myself, is a mobile phone operating system, I believe. Mm, it used to be a separate company. Then I think it got bought by Nokia, is that right? Oh, it was like an alliance, Motorola, Nokia. It came, I think, from Scion mm. originally, the old mm. Scion things. Um, but, uh, now I think they're saying uh, they're about to release all the software as open source. Now, All of it, or... An yeah, earlier version. We've got Symbian 2 and Symbian 3. Okay, mm. so they're releasing Symbian 2, full source of that. Yeah. But they're functionally complete on Symbian. 3. And I must say, this is the worst logo I've ever seen in my life. Look <laughs> at <laughs> a heart with some dodgy extruded text. I hope that's not the logo for the. I don't think that's the Symbian logo. I no, it's even a yeah, weird. Heart. I don't know. Do you think they've done this because Android's gone open source? I guess because they're ramping down their own internal development resource. Uh, and they're trying to keep someone someone else can help out, right, I would yeah, guess. Yeah. Um, I'd say you're probably right there. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think... Uh, I mean, I can't remember the last Simeon phone that got released. There was a couple of Nokias, but even the, the latest Nokias are... I don't know, they're not Simeon, are they? Yeah, so, I mean, have a look at that. Hash, hash Simeon Countdown on Twitter. Mm, um, they're obviously saying. announcing something, but it obviously doesn't sound particularly interesting to me anyway. So. <laughs> Well, I'm sure someone's no, someone's someone cares. rabidly interested in yep. Symbian phones. Um, okay, moving swiftly on to gaming. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've got the results from 2009. Uh, okay, so James, can you guess, without having looked at the notes here, what the biggest selling gaming thing of any sort was for 2009? I'd say it was probably a Nintendo Wii. Or Pretty Modern close. Warfare 2. Uh, yeah, all, all in there. They're all, all Modern Warfare there. 2 for the week. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2, which sold uh, 11.86 million copies. That's a lot. Unbelievable. Um, I am a statistic. <laughs> you are. Wii Sports Results sold uh, 7.75 million. New Super Mario Brothers for the Wii sold 7.1 million. Wii Fit, Wii Fit Plus, Plus 5.8. And Wii Fit 5.44. So the, <laughs> of the top five spots... They're all wee, 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 wee. things. Yeah. Wee uh, things. The interesting things here is that uh, New Super Mario Brothers, which is uh, the platformer for the Wii, right? It's as retro as it gets. And it sold 7.41 million and is copies. That, is it lots of Mario games? Or is it just That's the, it's the Mario the original platform, jump up and down, get the mushrooms. Right, is that with the old game? I've, I did actually, I bought a Nintendo gamepad, but I've never used it. Yeah. I think <laughs> I think you can use it just an old one. With yeah. Actually, um, y- yesterday... Um, I went to a retro kind of computing day. We had lots of everyone was bringing in stuff from the attic. Apple twos and oh, literally (laughs) older than that. I tell you, (laughs) there was a mechanical calculator. Oh wow! And all these like like original programmable um, kind of calculators that you made yourself and radios and in Marsat radios and the huge brick phones. It was really weird to see all this stuff and (laughs) computers from 
I don't know if they had them in the US, but the um, the ZX uh, eighty one oh, yeah. Spectrum Acorn yep. BBC one of the the BBC computers caught fire. But I'm using <laughs> it hadn't been turned <laughs> on for a while. Um, <laughs> but all it. sorts of, and it was a real kind of trip down memory lane, and mm. and lots of toys and games as well. Massive amounts of consoles which you kind of forget ever existed. Wow. Um, and these are often things that you either wanted yourself or someone had, but you didn't have. Or yeah, you know, yeah. And uh, so it was really quite of a, a walk through town, and, and a lot of little robots and things like that. It was great. Cool. Um, but you I can see, you know, I think retro gaming, the people mm. who've got the money, especially in recession year, you know, they're the ones the retro gamers want to mm. hop back to yesteryear mm. and say, oh, I remember that. That's true. So Super Mario Brothers, seven point four one million copies, mm. and I think uh, the uh, Super Mario Galaxy, which is, uh, you know, I've got that game, it's like a three mm. D version of. Super Mario Brothers, and it's uh, got uh, all about two or three million copies, yeah, which is still a massive success. But compared to compared to the platform version, I think it's also interesting to look at these games. A lot of them actually have hardware attachment as well. So yeah. Wii Fit, you need the hardware. Wii Fit Plus, I think there's another thingy strapped to your leg or something, isn't it? Some like oh, really? an accelerometer <laughs> or something. I think okay. there's something. I believe you. And I Wii Sports Resort, you need those special extra, you need the extra extensiony things. Ease. Wii. We Super Sensor Pluses. Motion Plus, that's motion the one. Plus, yep. So, um, and clearly, I guess there's probably maybe similar margins on the, the hardware as the software because they're oh, specially totally dedicated. There. I mean, once you've, once you've sold 7 million or anything, you can pretty much get it for free. Yeah. Yeah, the costs are pretty low there. So, so I think, you know, that's, wow. that shows the Wii. I mean, your Wii looks like a bit, a bit dusty in there, Ian. It's a bit dusty. Yeah. There is a power supply there somewhere. <laughs> Don't <laughs> kick it out. Um, so, I think that's quite that's interesting gaming's I mean I must say Modern Warfare 2 is pretty good I'm still working my way through it so you'd finished it I finished it but then they have like special ops and stuff like that co-op modes and all sorts of different things like that Um, so very cool always obsessed with the toilet us here in England (laughs) oh this is definitely your story this is um, (laughs) right Uh, (laughs) only from Japan Mm -hmm. obviously Um, it says tape measure toilet paper helps you diet and basically I guess this is it's often, you know, com- who hasn't been given or has given someone a, a, a roll of comedy toilet paper, mm-hmm. which has got, you know, a crossword on or something like this. But this apparently, and it's difficult because my Japanese isn't particularly good. Um, <laughs> I don't know whether it's measuring the length of each motion. Um, <laughs> one, I, I was trying to work out what it was. I was certainly quite amusing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> certainly quite amusing. You have to look at the show notes, really. Yep. Um, cartoons of people in various degrees of straining. Um, and there's also some references to 85 and 90 centimeters. I don't quite know what they are. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, um, but it's yeah, basically it's, it's toilet paper with cartoons and stuff like that. You can do a quick gut check when no one else is looking, and then dispose of the evidence of your problems. Um, <laughs> Fantastic. So, gotta have one. Can, of those. I think it's exercises, stretches, and toe touches. Um, While you're on the toilet, is that what they're. Yeah, that's the idea. Bit right. of stretch and, you know. Oh, I see, right. The Japanese right. are obsessed with their toilets, I must admit. <laughs> they do um, like to uh, innovate in the old. Yes, and I think I've told you before, my toilet, toilet has realm. got more buttons than my TV remote control. So, uh, <laughs> But at least they're in English, unlike this. This would be very scary to wonder what's going on. There, so. so I should tell you about my latest schedules as well mm-hmm. uh, while we're in the other category. So um, I've started doing some running and uh, I was advised that having a heart rate monitor was a good idea. So I figured this is a great chance to have a new gadget. So. Um, I've got one of the Garmin Garmin 305 GPS heart rate monitor. Right, so you fully strapped thing. up yep. and stuff. Yeah. So there's you know, and and in the, in the pictures in the in the catalogue, it mm-hmm. looks like it looks like a watch. Right. right. So yeah, cool. 
Now, what they don't show you is from a different angle, you can see it's about 10 centimetres tall. Well, not quite. <laughs> but it's actually quite a big device to, to wear on your strength. head so you can see the signal. <laughs> no, well, you, you can get a little attachment to put on your bike, which is what I've been doing. Right. Um, External uh, antenna, basically. Well, the, the actual... Um, the actual heart rate monitor is wirelessly connected yeah. to it. And um, it actually works really well. So, you've got this... Um, mm. I'll show you the graph later. It shows you um, what your heart rate is and what your speed is and where you are at the time. And so, you can kind of go, ooh, I was going up a hill there. And that can was you really buy hard. maps? Uh, you can't. You actually... The, the actual software came seems to have come out in about 1992. Right. So, the maps are rubbish and actually put you in the wrong place in London. But aside from that... <laughs> It does, it does link to Google Earth, which is very okay, accurate. Right, it shows right, you right, all right, the right okay. stuff, which is great. Um, and, but more importantly, it shows you what you're doing during the time and how much time you spent in which heart rate zone and all that kind of okay, stuff. Okay, right, right. So, uh, I mean, he is a bit gimmicky, but um, it does motivate me to go, oh, I'm not working very hard at the moment. I should you know, pedal faster and you know, get up this hill. But you can tell how far you've cycled. That's the main thing. Yeah, you can, you can tell can all you do the that normal with an odometer computer. Or yeah, exactly. <laughs> you can tell all exactly the same things. Presumably with GPS, it should be much more accurate. So, interestingly... Like um, I deals, yeah. I mean, I've had a couple of cycle computers, both of whom... Do you have to attach a cycle computer? You have to attach, like, a magnet onto the wheel or something like yeah. that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because I can't do that on my wheels are too good. Your electric bike, so you, that's why you need one of these. Yeah, you can well, get a, you maybe, get yeah. <laughs> oh, That's why I was trying to hook up my iPhone, so I could... Oh, uh, uh, yeah, so you have I could track handlebars. myself. Yeah. Mm, well, you need... Dude, you need a new iPhone. With yeah, well, GPS clearly. Simple. I'm waiting for the 4G. Yeah, it'll come out in April, I reckon. Yeah. I'm going to get you one. Anyway, so enough of um, uh, new gadgets. We'll see how they get. So we're both, I must say, our tweeting scales are working. We're both indeed. We're lose, both losing shedding weight, so pounds and kilos. So yeah. I do recommend that. I know a few people who've got them as well. Yeah, no, I had a chat with a few friends at the pub the other night, and and they were like, "That sounds really cool. I'm going to have to get one of those." <laughs> <laughs> Until I see the price. That's the downside. Yeah, it's a pricey thing. Expensive for a pair of scales. Yeah. But if it makes me lose weight, then hey. Yeah, I think it's yeah. it's monitoring stuff over time that's key part. We're not humans are not very good at that. We we live in the moment. So. Exactly. Um, gotta to, gotta to try harder. Anyway, it's uh, great to be here on the couch. Thanks for listening, everybody. So it's goodbye from me, James. And goodbye from me and cheers. Bye. Bye.